0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. And as you'll soon hear in this episode of the podcast, this was supposed to be the last episode of 2022 and well now life happens and I really just wanted to put more effort into getting this out with video because we didn't record video so I spent more time going through and um, just getting the video ready and making sure there was proper show notes. So it means it took longer, and given the holidays, there was less time to do all that kind of stuff. But it's done. It's here. It's the reflection on 2022, and really it goes back a little bit further through the pandemic. Just kind of, like, providing connective tissue to show how we, by we, me and Joe, got to where we are in 2022 or the end of 2022. Other than that, we get into... Things that I've been focusing on, so first, but maybe most importantly, is I'm going to be running the Chicago Marathon in 2023. And that means I have just under 300 days to basically prepare myself to run the 26.2. More importantly, though, is I have a run sponsor. It is Our Lady of Angels, for or Team OLA, and we're raising money for the west side of Chicago in West Humboldt Park. And I'll leave a link in the description if anyone wants to support my run. And just to do something crazy and audacious, like I say in this podcast, I will basically run or attempt to run slash self power for every dollar donated. I'm going to move myself by my own power for one mile. So basically, my goal is set at $1,500. So I am committing myself to run or. Move my body for 1,500 miles. So yeah. (laughs) Sounds a little crazy. And um, it is a little crazy. But don't do great things if you don't try to do a little little crazy. So there's that. I mentioned a book in this podcast called The Comfort Crisis. If you are looking for the change or a book that really can provide you a... A blueprint to understanding what it's like in the modern world that is, you know, connected to screens all the time. You're basically surrounded by creature comforts, you know, things like Uber or, you know, you can DoorDash food to yourself and you're just living in AC. The entire premise of the book is basically how can you inoculate yourself to discomfort doing things that are so not so far, but far enough outside of your comfort zone such that you can. Basically, flex a muscle to be more comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I really love that idea. And that's kind of why I just said what I just did with my running mileage goal for the year. We also cover a lot of what Joe's doing in his master's in psychology and going on into PhD work, where he really is focused at a value level and social level of where are we missing. Like, where's the culture failing and how can we start to expand or reconstitute a culture that everyone can aim for? What is the highest good you can aim your life at? I think this really holds true for me with this podcast. Over the last year or so, I've been really rekindling myself with everything that I'm doing, starting with, not at least with, but the gender of art and doing live streams with joe as since he moved away into nashville since then it's been a very fun ride to kind of get back in the saddle of doing this podcast so i'm going to try and commit to doing one episode a week of some kind of content so it doesn't matter what it is but it has to do something like i have to do something once a week um here on feeding curiosity it could be a podcast It could be a blog it could be an article it has to be i just have to do something though i need to continue to flex that muscle and i'm putting it out there now as this is you know day one week one um i'm gonna keep that mindset hopefully other than that it has been a wild ride and to see this being posted on uh youtube more and just watching the clips channel grow and things like that it's been it's been really cool and to see how Something that might feel old to me, because I've recorded over five years almost now. Um, It's just crazy. I'm not going anywhere. I don't plan on going anywhere, because I really enjoy this, and it's something that just fills up my cup. And as long as it continues to do that, I'm going to continue to be posting uh, these videos and having really interesting conversations that scratch my itch and that I hope scratches everyone else's itch. So, with that, everyone... Please enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Joe All Alrighty, I guess this will be the, the last podcast of 2022.
1: Yeah, there's only a few days left.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to have, I'm basically giving myself work to do before.
1: Uh, you, well
0: done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just seal the deal that I have to do, make sure this goes out before yeah, the year right. end.
1: That's what I like to do at year end, is give myself more work.
0: <laughs> welcome to my life where i've just done that consistently well done <laughs> well this whole that's this whole project this whole thing that is feeding curiosity is just what how much more work can i give myself yeah there you go but uh, really what i want to do for this podcast is just like a year in review slash reflection and what we are planning on doing for 2023 because i mean even you had a pretty big change for 2022 yeah. with moving to a new state in school for that yeah. beginning portion and
1: yeah but this is not
0: in the grand scheme of my
1: life this is normalcy this is <laughs> right picking up and just leaving places I mean, like never been there before fuck it i guess we'll move
0: there He like i guess we'll try
1: it <laughs> but yeah for everyone that doesn't know which is
0: <laughs> most people
1: yeah <laughs> in july i moved to nashville and that was to attend vanderbilt university for grad school. I'm doing a master's in cognitive psychology and context. The official program name. It's a new program. I'm all research kind of based, largely trying to set me up for PhD programs in the future.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Which you learned due to the pandemic, getting into PhD programs became significantly more difficult than everyone imagined.
1: Yeah, this has been a long journey to get to this place. I was kind of reflecting on this earlier today, just thinking about it. But it was it, it took a very long time to arrive at at Nashville, and mm-hmm. that's because I graduated. I was applying for Ph.D. programs during my last term at Michigan, so this was the fall of 2020, and wow. then and the pandemic had already begun, I think, in March.
0: Yeah, around March, mid-March.
1: And I had every expectation that I would get into some Ph.D. program. I applied to a lot of different places. I'm very lucky because... A lot of universities, if you tell them you're a veteran, they won't charge you the fee for the application. So I was kind of delimited in that way. So I could just ask a whole bunch of places. You could just keep supplies to many places you wanted, basically. Yeah. And stupidly, I applied to a bunch of places that were incredibly competitive in and of themselves. But with the hope, or at least a reasonable hope, I thought that I would get into one of them. One of them. Right. There are reasons for that. I had things I was very... There were, there were useful advocates for taking me on the PhD program. A good history at the University of Michigan. I mean, it was honors. I got, I was awarded highest honors on my thesis. I was at the University of Michigan's Beinecke Scholarship nomination. I didn't get the scholarship, which is unfortunate, but it's an honor in some sense just to out of be the 40, selected whatever for thousand it. people that are there to be selected for that. And that's a very competitive scholarship. Sounds
0: like there's just an art to applying to PhDs Yeah, that nobody talks about. <laughs>
1: it was strange too. I was kind of looking for people with best fit and these things, but I also didn't know a whole lot about how to go about doing it. Right. And I think that this is a military problem that i'm still learning to shake which is that you don't ask for help you just figure it the fuck out right you just fumble around in the dark
0: (laughs) you right really it's
1: it's that to even the idea of even asking my thesis advisor for example who's like a mentor in that regard what it is i should be doing with my application what i should be looking for who might be a good fit if they know somebody whatever this was largely at the time outside of my like view of right this was not an available option
0: it wasn't even a, an option in like it was the dialogue in an rpg game <laughs> right it'd be like
1: going up to a colonel and asking for advice it's like this is as an enlisted person it's like right. this is entirely it's like you have hopped too many links in this chain of command you should shut the fuck up and you're about <laughs> to get
0: your ass chewed out for right, right. For and, next week <laughs> and i recognize
1: that this is a totally irrational impulse and yet it's so baked in that especially though, so many years ago yeah I mean, throughout undergrad in general this was this was largely my stadium was still bad.
0: i don't think it's an unreasonable take yeah i, I mean, mean i i probably did the same thing in my college career because and that just comes from a whole different angle because i was already working for the most part and yeah. i'm used to just fumbling around and being like well i'm just gonna figure it out anyways because everyone else has just kind of got their hands in their pockets or yeah. whatever and i'm just like I'm going to go to this professor and I'm like, I don't have time to go find him in office hours because I was working so much right. that I'm just not on campus for in, for me to schedule it. He's like, you know, professor's got way more things going on than to worry about some commuter, whatever. Right. Trip, go ask him a question. And I'm like, so you just figure it the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. And I, I think it's part of the things It's like, it's these subtle things that you don't realize, especially when it comes to school. Like the qu- the questions you don't know you need to ask, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not until you like fumble around a bit, like, damn it, I wish I would have just known to ask this going in. Right. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of
1: simple things that could have been avoided, but right, all of that accumulated into, I think, probably some lackluster applications, hubris on my part, hubris that emerged out of the expectation that I was better off. Most people, I can remember a whole bunch of people I respect, actually saying, like, oh, you're a shoe and you're going to do just fine. And that just was that what ended up happening was that I didn't get into any program. Right. And so it's spring of 2021. 20, my All my eggs were in the PhD basket. And
0: yeah, you, so the master's idea wasn't even on your radar, right? No.
1: I didn't think it was going to be necessary. Yeah. Which again, this, stupid
0: right you, you should have at least maybe put a few eggs in the master's bucket just just for shits and giggles yeah and it was strange because <laughs>
1: i kept talking to people about how i was going to apply to phd programs and nobody ever just went
0: not a master's hmm. so is this common to do a master's then phd yeah, or very common okay yeah. is, is that specific to psychology or is that Across just and doesn't matter board. i'm just asking questions yeah i don't know who doesn't know well,
1: these are questions i should have been asked <laughs> At the time. <laughs> which was across the board. It was it's largely that way.
0: Okay. It's people
1: do get go right into PhD programs, but often, especially now, as things have become more competitive, which we'll get into more in a second, it's very common. Yeah. But one of the big things to talk about the increasing competition amongst applicants that occurred as a result of the pandemic was that a whole bunch of people went back to school. They said my life has just been put on hold. I might as well go do that thing I said that I was going to do.
0: Right. And just, And then the wife and three kids and right it ha- happens and then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute i yeah. never got around to don't, don't do that do thing job. and so you
1: it's <laughs> a huge increase in applicants to to all these graduate programs at the same time that i'm doing it and now these people have
0: five ten years of in experience in the field right? yeah
1: maybe doing clinical work doing something but even if they don't have experience in the field they're an interesting applicant that took a step away they're grown adults and and wow. just pure numbers yeah I mean, It's just a pure numbers game and so i didn't get into anything and then it was like oh Shit, expect this. I don't even know what to do. And then with the help of a close friend, and we talked it through, and I got introduced to the chain to a guy who is a professor and colonel, retired lieutenant colonel or colonel from the army, who's at Columbia. And so I talked to him. He's like, Yeah, you should apply. And I was like, Okay. So and there's this is for a master's program. So I applied there and got in. And I was talking to him and I was going to work in his lab and all seemed well and good. And I, there was a lot going on and I was kind of scrambling to make it work. And when I went to New York, I was like, I think this is not it."
0: You just had a feeling for it.
1: Like I was trying so hard to be excited for it. And I was like, I fucking hate New York. I hate New York. I'm not happy that I have to go here. And this doesn't feel right to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed just with with the amount of stuff that was being thrown on my plate at once. Mm -hmm. And it was like, hold on. I don't know how much time I'm going to have in my master's program. I'm being asked to do a job in the lab. I'm kind of expected to do a particular job in the lab when I don't know how much time, like, I don't know if I can say that I can do that job in the lab. And I, and then they tried to add a second job on top of the job. Like there's a point (laughs) in which I was like, Hey, I don't know how much time I can offer you. I don't know what working on this master's there looks like. I don't know what, time i have i have no idea what commitments i'm making here i don't want to promise something i can't deliver right and then they kind of went explicitly against what i said and tried to give me another role on top of the role that i had taken on
0: Hmm. and i was
1: like oh my god this is too much and like
0: a dog pile because they just maybe lost people because of the pandemic or
1: something yeah they were really low on people and expanding fast and they were desperate to get workers on there and and i was bottom of the totem pole and they were gonna dump as much shit on me as they could and I get it. I'm not, I don't begrudge any of the people there. I really liked talking to a lot of the people that I got to meet right. when I was there in New York. I thought the people were great, but this was not fitting and say nothing about the fact that the VA at the time was making it an absolute nightmare for me to get housing.
0: Yeah. I remember that. Being... And
1: I lost, I was supposed to have an apartment at one point and then I lost that because the VA wouldn't push through the paperwork. They were, all they had to do was confirm that I had benefits. That's all they had to do. And it took weeks and I lost housing because of it. I didn't get that paperwork until I had to order in a congressional investigation of the office that has my, yeah, that has my counselor in it. And only then did she start to get off her ass and do what she was supposed to do. I mean, I literally had to call Congress and get them to investigate this office. Okay. So crazy. Before I could just get the simplest thing that just says, yes, you have these benefits. Oh my. That's all I needed.
0: Welcome to the VA folks. If you've never dealt with it. absolute nightmare.
1: <laughs> of course, now it's a lot easier to get them to do what I need them to do, because I just say, remember what I did last time? And then <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it again. <laughs> like, just do your damn job.
0: You have a precedent now.
1: It's unbelievable. But it's I'm so crazy. And I have sympathy for the people that work in that office because there's like one counselor for these things and like 50 people that have to be managed. Right. And it's a nightmare. And the whole thing is a giant bureaucratic mess. And nobody wants to take a step forward because there's landmines everywhere. Yeah. And it's, okay, I understand. Red tape everywhere. Right. The people who succeed as counselors in that environment are people who sprint through the minefield with everything blowing up behind them. (laughs) And then eventually they get fired.
0: Because they try to do the right thing.
1: Right. Because they they realize that you can't take any move whatsoever without breaking some rule because there's so many rules in place in the bureaucracy that no individual person can keep track of all of them. And so they just neglect the rules from the outset. Cut all the red tape, just try to accomplish what, the best that they can for any veteran, and then cross their fingers and hope that they don't get fired. And inevitably, <laughs> they get fired, but they're okay with it because they ended up helping out a ton of vets in the meantime. They, while they were able to hold the position. Right. That's wild. That's basically how it is. So the only people, so the, the people who are able to help veterans the most get weeded out.
0: So you create a system that selects for the people who. Do the least. Yeah. It's a very, very good system.
1: <laughs> if all you want to do is – if you don't want to do any of your work at all and and you always have an excuse not to do it. That's Nightmare. what it ends up doing. <laughs> is that you always have a, a, a code in some rule book somewhere that gives you a justification for not doing your job. Yeah. And that's what happens. Jeez. And so it just attracts – it's like a whole bunch of people get thrown into the system, the best at it people who are actually helping veterans get weeded out and the ones that are left over are people who don't want to do any work and have every justification not to. Yeah, it's a stupid system. But with that being said, there was a whole bunch of nightmare shit all happening at once with my attempt to move to New York and I said, yeah, I'm out. Plus it was like
0: peak COVID too, so it was just like... Right, it wasn't easy to move, it wasn't (laughs) easy
1: to do anything.
0: Everything was up in the air effectively.
1: And I was like, this sucks and I don't want to move to New York and like i finally got into an Ivy league school, which was like, I told myself that I wanted to do that. Like, I was like, what's a step up. I figure if I'm going to keep doing school, I should be keep going up the ladder. Right. Keep jumping the shark. What's better for the, (laughs) yeah. What's better from the university (laughs) of Michigan. Well, nothing besides Ivy league schools and really on paper more than in reality, but whatever. And so that's, so I was like, this should be the thing. But at the end of the day, I was like, this doesn't fit. I don't think this is what I want to do, and so I said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'll figure it out." Sounds
0: like the universe was trying to, you know, if we're if we're getting into the woo-woo part of this, is like yeah. there's so many little roadblocks or speed bumps that were just like, "Hey, buddy, maybe want maybe want to think about this a little bit more." Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> a weird thing, I, you and know. I, and I can't
1: tell if it turned out for the best or not. <laughs> so it's like I have no idea.
0: I'm too soon to tell, right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe it'll
1: take some getting settled at Vanderbilt and to see where my future goes after this anyway, to figure out what, right. I, but who knows. But so, and didn't end up going there. And so it's like the end of 2021, I'm like, fuck it. I'll apply to many, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try again. I'll try to PhD programs again. And I was just working at, I was at, I was just working at Axe Ventura, teaching people how to throw axes for, for like three or something days a week where when they were open making enough money to survive living with my girlfriend at the time, which put a ton of strain on her and us and was not a big apartment. And there was, it was too small for her and her dog and her two cats, let alone
0: adding, me. adding another person into yeah, that mix. I, mean,
1: I was, I She's a saint for dealing with us to some degree. Right. It's
0: a, well, yeah. I mean, especially given the situation with like COVID hitting and all of a sudden oh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we liked each
1: other. So right. it wasn't so bad. Like, right. <laughs> but like, It definitely put a lot of strain on the relationship, and maybe that's a big part of why it ended. But all that was going on. So at the end of 2021, I ended up applying to a bunch of PhD programs again, and this time applying to a couple of master's programs as well. Didn't get into any PhD programs again, Hmm. but the moment that I started getting some no's from those programs, I was like, I'm going to go find more master's programs to apply to, one of which was Vanderbilt, which I didn't even know it was in Nashville until we, me, you, Bill, Kate. Oh, yeah, that was
0: in 2021 when there was like.
1: Yeah, we, we, we went on, and Buell we all went yep. on the
0: trip to Nashville
1: and we were walking from the Parthenon and we saw, I saw a banner that said Vanderbilt on. I was like, oh, Vanderbilt is
0: in Nashville. That'd be cool to live here.
1: <laughs> and and so there the rest of it was history <laughs> to some
0: weird... The honeymoon phase. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs>
1: but yeah, so I ended up getting into, I found out, Earlier this year, I got into the University of Chicago for their master's program and Vanderbilt for their master's program. I had told myself for sure that I was going to do the University of Chicago because it's like my dream school for a few reasons. One, it's by family. So that's really convenient and friends, which is also, when I like Chicago, it's near where I grew up. But also that the University of Chicago was like the bastion of free speech amongst academia in academia. That they had the Chicago principles, which are a bunch of principles they set out for mm. basically the protection of inquiry on contentious ideas. And that professors, especially tenured professors, need the freedom and the leeway to investigate things without fear of retribution from some 18-year-old mob, right? And that this was largely a protection. Now, the degree to which they live up to those principles is a man of bait. Right. <laughs> but they were the first ones that did it, and a bunch of schools came out in defense of this, and their style fit with mine. But when I visited there, the day that I went to go visit Chicago with my mind made up that I was going to go there, I took a call from Dr. Dan Levin, who's a cognitive psychologist at Vanderbilt. And I guess this was the interview. I didn't quite realize that that's what it was. And the fact that I had kind of made up my mind, I think, took a lot of the pressure off. So I nailed the interview. (laughs) We got along along great. (laughs) We were were just talking about interesting things. And it was like, wow, this is some really fascinating conversation. And I found out about about the project that he's working on and he's like you could come down early and we, we can find money for you and you can start working on the project during the summer that'd be great it's like that sounds amazing it's like i need to go visit chicago like i'll talk to you soon so i went from being having my mind made up to being on the drive to chicago talking through and being like oh shit
0: <laughs> like oh, the second option has appeared <laughs> like now i have to make a decision <laughs> like god damn it you're like why can't life be easy yeah <laughs> There can't just be like a pathway that says, pick this one. Yeah,
1: well, it'll get too boring.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) So what to make a
1: long story short, what ended up happening was that I just, I was like, my gut feeling again. You took a left turn. (laughs) My gut feeling told me not to go to New York, even though in many ways it was perfect on paper. Mm -hmm. My gut feeling told me Chicago, even though it was, or told me not Chicago, even though Chicago was perfect on paper, even the things that I ostensibly wanted. And I was like all right, I'm doing, I'm doing Vanderbilt. And so then in July this year, 2022, I moved to Vanderbilt and started working on a project looking at the way that films, theory of mind and moral reasoning all interplay with each other. And have been doing
0: that ever since. (laughs) And it's ongoing, right? Yeah, (laughs) Only one semester down. One down. Which is crazy. I mean, it's been like a whirlwind, you know, outside looking in, just seeing the transition of everything and yeah. being able to not only that but visit since the the move it's like you know it's weird seeing it from a different perspective right like going from just visiting in a wild weekend of just you know enjoying some mini vacation as much yeah. as you can during the the craziness that was the pandemic to hey I'm moving there for school like yeah <laughs> Okay, then.
1: <laughs> and it's a very strange... It's been a very strange... It's been a rough couple of years, for, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it was just not knowing what the future holds, a whole lot of... Yeah. Your goals getting obstructed, not seeing what the next I mean, step is. effectively,
0: you were in limbo. I mean, most yeah. grad students were in limbo, or potential grad students were in limbo yeah. for all of the pandemic, because nobody was taking anybody new. Funding was frozen.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that was a... There is a mix, right? Because... They were taking people new, but the competitive pool went through right. the roof, so it was a very small percentage of people right. were actually getting
0: through. Your overall population increased right. drastically. And at the same time,
1: you're right to mention the funding was cut. So if you're a PhD, for those that don't know, if you're a PhD, you're an employee. Yeah. Or you you actually, you're not paying tuition or it's getting taken out of like your salary in some sense, but you get... A stipend, you get a yearly stipend to survive. It's not much; it's like thirty thousand dollars a year. I mean, that's a that's a lot. You can survive on that, but it's it's a, the the people who are bringing you on aren't just bringing you on to 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 into your program. They have a, they have to provide funding. Yeah, so it's a big responsibility that they have that you have. And all of this, and when the funding got cut, they could take even less people than they would otherwise. And that's been playing so, out.
0: So you had two factors at play: where you had funding gets cut. And more people than ever applying to get in. Yeah. And the, the all important
1: <laughs> third factor, which is my own stupidity.
0: Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ever present. <laughs> and somehow you're still failing upwards, as one might say. You know, just, I'm just tripping forward. That's tripping, my life plan. Tripping into gold.
1: Yeah. Just keep <laughs> tripping forward. Best you can do.
0: You're like, oh my God, how did I get here? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I totally get that. It, it's interesting like looking back on it too is like over the last two days I've been just kind of thinking about what 2022 has been like and I would say even 2021 because I didn't really that was really a stasis year even for the podcast like I was kind of going through it and then just, just with work stress and just I don't know It's that there's like a, a veneer of like the stasis in the world kind of just seeped into every corner of everyone's life it felt like yeah we like. And I hate to say it, but I like I had like zero motivation to want to do anything like all of 2021. Yeah, like I got I did stuff, but it wasn't like consistent, and it was just kind of like, yeah. you know, like I don't know yeah. how to describe it other than like it just blah.
1: Yeah, I totally feel this. It was, I, I and mean, it, it felt still... like being almost
0: stuck in molasses. Maybe like yeah, you could kind of get stuff done, but like you just weren't moving as fast as you know, like something was gumming up the works. I yeah. guess is the best way to put it.
1: It is very hard to get any momentum going. Yes. I, I w my motivation was killed in part, large part because my dreams were shattered for a while there. And I didn't mm-hmm. know how I was, if I, if or how I was going to make this work or what right. was going to happen. And so it's a lot of just like surviving, but not living. Right. And every time you want to do something, there's still a pandemic on it's like right. things that you are intrinsically motivated by and being, as extroverted as i am i'm not insanely extroverted but i'm
0: I extroverted I'm, enough
1: right that <laughs> the isolation was robbing me of a yeah, of my energy i i the isolation is killer for me
0: i i even felt that just to put in context so last year 2021 christmas time new year's nobody came home effectively like maybe one or two people came home but for very short periods of time and i was just like the Groundhog Day had basically said it, and I was just like staring at walls. Effectively, it just yeah. like every day feels the same, even though it's holidays in quotes. And then you like, you're just like, well, this is my life now. It's just the same day on repeat. Yeah, and you're stuck in your four walls or whatever you know. And it's like you could barely do anything to feel like you're a human, whatever that means to you, right? I just remember, in you know, like juxtaposing that to this time, where the majority of our friends and family were home. And we got to go out and do things, you know, over the last week we were out almost every other day, at least doing something new. And so it's like the, it's like you've taken a week that would like have gone in the blink of an eye. Cause every day feels the same. And it's like, all of a sudden that same week felt three times as long because you're just doing so much yeah. new. And it's like, it's so subtle, but it's like, when you feel like when you experience it firsthand, you're like, Oh my God, this is head and shoulders different. <laughs> from the the previous year which is like how like it's so different energizing wise just to be around people again
1: yeah it brings me back to life yeah and to have a at least a near constant um chance to just talk with people that i can be comfortable around right is huge and like this has become all the more obvious to me in this transition because i came down to Nashville in a in a state that I'd never been to except once. In a city I knew very little about. To a university I knew very little about. And with no people that I knew mm-hmm. I took that transition after two years of being out of my groove. Oh like, that's this true. is like yeah. you know, twenty twenty three is gonna be Joe gets his mojo pack, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but twenty twenty two is a lot of the deterioration of a long term relationship right before a cross national move yeah. to a place that I don't know with people that I don't know to start something in all brand new.
0: And where you effectively stayed in stasis for almost a year and a half. Yeah. Not really. I
1: have to re I've had to relearn how to learn and how to enjoy learning again because it's been so long since I've been in this sort of environment and it's like, I've kind of read and everything and learned a lot reading almost manically over the last year or two. Yeah. But the conversations that help me process that information, like I have a, uh, I don't know how true this is, take it with a grain of salt, but I kind of suspect that what extroversion and introversion are, are different dispositions for information processing. And that when people talk about the battery, like if you're an introvert, it being alone is what fills your battery. If you're an extrovert being with other people is what fills your battery. My guess is actually that the, the feeling of increased energy isn't the restoring of a battery. It's the dropping of a pack. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like you've taken a weight off your shoulders because an introvert processes that information and offloads all of it on their own. And an extrovert offloads it with other people and that you're gaining energy and that now you weigh 60 pounds less. I don't know how true that is, but, but the fact that I was in information processing with other people, maybe that's just a nerdy, the way the nerds think, I have no idea. Right. Meant that I was largely... In the And when I didn't have that in the pandemic, that meant that when I was reading things, I was only understanding them on my own terms and not getting into like this kind of de- detailed information processing I would need to in order to explain it to another human being. Right. And so, and the fact that I wasn't with other human beings was draining me of energy. So simultaneously, I was tired and foggy in my thinking.
0: Right. Probably because you just overloaded yourself with too much bouncing around your brain and you're yeah. not able to be like... You know, write the chapter, so to speak. Right. And when in your uh, brain when the background processing
1: <laughs> is the slow realization that your, your 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 relationship is collapsing, right? That doesn't help either.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that just increases the fogginess
1: yeah. of everything else going on. Right, and then these things start to play off of each other, and then arguments increase, and you're living together, and right, blah blah, blah blah,
0: friction ensues, and it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> right,
1: and then you see the you see the finish line, and to some degree, you just go, just make it through. You don't have to just – I'm not going to have a fucking argument right now because this won't be my problem.
0: Just Right. <laughs> right. You see the end near and you're just like, we don't need to go through this every time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things that – like, I, I felt the – like, the things that kept me sane were just, like, going to the gym or just making a point to be outside as much as possible when the weather was nice, of course. That was the <laughs> – the most novel thing i could think of or just like get away from screens you know like that kind of stuff or you can only fill your brain up with so much new information in a day
1: right but like (laughs) don't like don't look at screens during the two-year limbo right like you're
0: on zoom yeah i know
1: every day for work like how did you not go insane i mean you're more introverted than me so that probably probably helps but
0: I mean, riding bike was, was the biggest thing for me, at least in the summer. Did you get to hang out with the guys at all? Not really. Hey. Cause like, you know, Herrera's out working remote. Mike was, works as a nurse that kind of, you know, everyone's kind of off doing their thing. At least it's still around here. I and mean, Jordan's been gone for two years. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I, I'm pretty used to being like a loner. <laughs> Realistically, like it's kind of just my normal thing with yeah. like, I drove two hours every day for school. In my car, like, doing podcast, like, listening to podcasts is a great way for me to just process things. Yeah. Because I just listen to what other people have to say, and it, like, helps me think about... Ways to... It gives you ways to think about yeah, it. Yeah, it's you weird. can bounce ideas it, It's off. like I'm, yeah. like, having a conversation, but it's one, one way. It's, it sounds insane, but it's not... No. <laughs> not
1: any podcast <laughs> listeners listening now. Hello.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> I <laughs> might like, imagine. Well, that's part of the reason why I want to do this one, because it's like, I... Most people don't get real as much like that, where it's like, you hear these things and it's like, everyone's like, am I the only one feeling this way? It's like, well, yeah, if you're having that thought, then there's at least, you know, like...
1: Nobody is so special that you're the only one. Right, exactly. <laughs>
0: but yeah, it just became like little ways to just keep myself from going insane to like, give me like pseudo meditative things. Like, I don't really do too much meditation and as much as I was a couple of years back, but like, like moving meditation, running riding my bike, things that I could do for long extended periods of time where I could put on music or audiobooks or podcasts and just kind of step away from the screen world, either be at work or working on, <laughs> keep putting myself in front of screens again to work some more on things yeah. <laughs> because I just, it was just draining me. I was just like, the last thing I wanted to do is send another email, even though it was something that I enjoy and we'll come back to that because I, I've been realizing through this year, it's like, there's there was like, It's like that thing you want to be doing, but you're like, it's not that you're making excuses, but you don't feel like you, you have the energy to do the thing you really want to do. That makes sense. Yeah. Like something is sucking so much energy from your, your, your life that you just don't have enough energy to put in to the thing you really want to do at the level you want to do it. Yeah. Does that make sense? I felt that way this morning. I was trying (laughs) to
1: read this scientific paper and I was like, God, I can barely even look at this thing.
0: Right, <laughs> none of this.
1: It's like nothing was landing. Like I was reading it, but nothing was sinking in. Yeah,
0: you're going through the motions it's like, almost. What the shit is this? It's
1: right, like, and and that gets really frustrating when you have a lot on your plate because it's like you never I have can't enough. Can't be like that right now. Yeah. i hate to be able to digest this. Or...
0: Like, it's like I actually, when did I, where did I learn this or hear this? there's was someone who said, "Is like what happens when you like?" Oh, it's like keeping a schedule. That was what it was. it's like keep the schedule, reduce the scope. Was like the 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 framework they were talking about. But basically they were talking about in context of people getting to like work out with the new year. And it was basically say you want to work out three times a week or whatever for an hour a day. And they say you, you know, meeting runs long or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I only have 30 minutes to work out now instead of that hour that I wanted to do. And what they were saying is you should still go work out because it's better to keep that habit, but only do that 30 minutes if that's all you have.
1: So it's better to, to continue with the routine yeah. than to abandon it, even if you yes. can only do it for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Because that's because it's so much harder to jump on the horse again after falling off because then you get in the habit of like, well, I've, I'm over. I'm, I've crossed the limit. See you yeah. later. Bye. Right.
1: And to some <laughs> degree, you, you teach yourself how to, how to come up with excuses.
0: Yeah. So I, I thought that was a cool idea. I was like, oh, you're totally right. Like, you know, like if you want to be a writer or you want to, you know, keep a gym routine or whatever, it's like. Well, if this is when you say you write, mm. and you only have 38 minutes when you, in your writing window, even though you should do an hour, still do th- that.
1: Okay, so that, so even, even if you don't have the energy to do the kind of thing that you want to be able to do, you should do that thing anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, what, like, over the last probably six or seven months, it's like I've, like, reawakened something, especially since we've done those live streams. Like redoing the consistency. That's also why I wanted to force doing this now before you left, because I knew it would feel better doing it in person than it is online Yeah. of just forcing, you know, it's like doing a rep, right? And it's like, anytime you do a rep with anything you do, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And so it's been really fun to do that. And it's like part of that, like getting into a creative headspace has been driven by the AI stuff with all of the, with mid journey specifically for me. There's been something, something about it. I haven't really felt this in a long time where when mid journey launched, I was like, I was just like, I was so excited. <laughs> and it's been like this thing where if I have a creative idea, like I'll listen to a song or someone will like a quote will pop up or I have an idea of of a thing that's just bouncing around my brain. I just come up with a prompt and just type it into mid journey. All of a sudden I get a cool image about, about that idea, and I'm all, and then you know that spins me off into myriad other directions, and it's like, yeah. it's almost like feeding the hamster wheel of like never letting those ideas just float away. It's like, in some sense, you capture that idea, and it keeps you kind of like on the ball, maybe. Yeah, yeah
1: it, it is probably teaching you to attend to your interests.
0: Yeah, it definitely is.
1: Instead of just being like, oh, well, I don't have time, and then letting it die, it's like. You're still chasing the golden snitch.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's really what it it kind of feels like, because it's like I have all these ideas, and now it's getting to the point where like I'm seeing like patterns and like the images I'm putting out there. I'm like, damn, I should really just be, and this might be coming soon, where I might do like selected images that I just really enjoy and just throwing them as a gallery on on the feeding curiosity website, with just like a blurb, not like giving the prompt per se, unless people want it, but. Just like, what is the inciting incident of that prompt? And just talking about the idea, like it's a quote or something. That might be
1: fun. I mean, feeding curiosity has a certain kind of technical bend to its character. Yeah. In that it's definitely, I mean, it's got your fingerprint on it in that it's got, unsurprisingly, wearables. Right. This kind of tech. And I keep telling you to lean into this. I <laughs> know.
0: <laughs> I'm working on it right now, actually. I've I've, I've been revitalized with more AI stuff now. But you go into the AI thing if that's the thing
1: that's caught your interest now. Yeah. I think it fits with this the brand. It fits with the tech side of things for word, sure. Word.
0: And I, I've just been really enjoying doing it. And part of me too, and this is gonna sound funny, but I love the controversy around it, because part of me like just loves the idea that it makes a whole bunch of people squirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're like, oh he's into art, like AI art and everyone's like, you know, there's have you
1: gotten any feedback?
0: No one's to come after me or anyway, yeah, but like I, I don't imagine. think anyone will because like I'm honest about it like i've given the spiel and we've you know talked about the ethical things around it and i'm not i'm not selling something and saying like you know what i mean (laughs) it could be one thing if i was like saying i've generated this and i'm gonna make you know and i'm using peoples who are contemporary artists and yeah
1: i think most people just don't care
0: no but like i just to me i find it fun as like a tool right like how do we use these tools in a way that's original 'Cause the way I look at it is 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 these tools are it is it raises the playing field for people, right? Like now right now I feel kind of like that kid who drew in the corner of class. You know, you always really knew that one kid who's really in art and who just doodle all day and is like, you know, inside of his notebook is just full of yeah. whatever. That's what I kind of feel like when I have random ideas, like cause now I just have like a tab open for mid-journey and midwork, and all of a sudden I've like listen to something or see a thing and i'm like "Ooh, what's that i'm like what is that oh like, what do it look like mm-hmm. oh, and you know and then i wait like 30 seconds or maybe i don't even get to it for like an hour or something I'm like "Ooh, let's see what that is or what it looks like right right and so that's like really fun for me to just kind of scratch the itch in that sense and so this
1: is all feeding back into feeding curiosity yeah right and so you're finding that your motivation is being
0: uh, rekindled is, in, right, in the <laughs> result
1: of these consistent live streams mixed with this tech that you have an intrinsic interest in
0: yeah and it's like making me be interested again and then also on the other end of that spectrum is is committing to the chicago marathon in 2023 so this is the first public announcement of or at least in, in the podcast yeah. world that i'm doing it my one buddy mike Tacona, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. He randomly texted me early December and it was like, hey, you should do the marathon. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I just kind of said, sure. <laughs> and next thing you know, I was like, got had him signed up on the team or the sponsor. Cause a lot of those, you have to get a sponsor. I want to get it right on who the sponsor is. Shameless plug. But it's Our Lady of the Angels is the name of the group that is my sponsor. They help people on the West side of Chicago to provide support. Is this
1: a, what do you call a cold? Is there a
0: a word for a collection of nuns? That's a great question. A mission. A mission. Yeah, it says mission of Our Lady of Angels. So it's a Catholic outreach group in Humboldt Park or West Humboldt Park in Chicago. So basically they provide support for families and citizens of that area of Chicago. So I have to raise some funds for them while we're doing this, but... It's all go for a good cause and I'm going to go run a marathon, you know? You it, said fall? Yeah, it'll be October. October 8th. Yeah, setting in a goal like that is definitely helpful. Because it has awakened something in me that I have mm-hmm. not felt in a while. Good. <laughs> and it's really exciting. Okay. <laughs> like even today, so like this is the crazy thing. I was just thinking about this today as I was getting, like, as I knew that we were doing this podcast, I committed to it yesterday. And it was like, it's like so weird when you like compress the amount of like wiggle room you have in your schedule all of a sudden things like line up you know what I mean because I I got off of work and I was like oh today's warm at 40 degrees so I ran outside instead of going to the gym and dealing with traffic did a quick run like pretty fast for what I normally would do because I knew we had I had plans so it was like you you knock that out because you know you need to do it right keep the habit (laughs) <laughs> even though you maybe not want to go as long or, you know, lay you know, get laissez-faire with it. And then it's like the podcast. So it's like, I'm like re-remembering these, all these things that I would do in the past where it's like, you just make time, you just squeeze it all in as much as you can. Right. And you, you don't make the excuse, you know, saying you're tired. I keep thinking of the quote from Dune. It's like, I'm not in the mood for fighting. And, he, and the, the general yeah. goes, w- what does mood have to do with it? I think about that all the time. Lives right. rent free in my brain. <laughs>
1: right because it shouldn't
0: yeah so it's like you know if you if you value it your mood doesn't matter and like i'm remembering oh you're right being tired is just an excuse
1: yeah it's cool i it's it's strange i'm still getting into i'm still finding that kind of groove yeah of this sort of this this being sparked and feeling on my game whatever that is it, it's becoming more frequent. Like I'll get episodes of this mm-hmm. motivation and it's like, Oh, there it is.
0: There it is. <laughs>
1: like that's that feeling. Yeah. I know that feeling. That's
0: I haven't felt that in years. <laughs> I don't know this. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's weird because it, like it ebbs and flows. Like you're, ne- you know, I always think about this all the time when it co- like, especially when it comes to working out, you just, you're always, you're going to feel motivated for like a month or a couple of weeks, maybe. And then you're like, Ugh. you know, you don't want to do it. Or like, maybe you'll start a workout and you're like, like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Like it's early or I'm feeling whatever the night before I, whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get like 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in, you warmed up enough and you're like, damn, I'm like, this is, this is easy. Like, what, like why was I complaining in, in the first place? Right. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it feels like. I think just having like a crazy goal, like being a little audacious with the thing you want to do. I did a marathon or a half marathon for quote unquote fun over the summer this year because I was just riding my bike a ton and I was just like, I want to change it up. Like, I would ride a bike for a lot and then I'd just be like, I just want to run to to do something different. Yeah. And so I like just did a self imposed half marathon, which was, I mean, I did, it was a mistake. If you're doing long distance running, you should never increase your total mileage in a single run more than 10% from the previous time. So on average, I was running like four or five miles. For my longest runs and then i was like let's go run 13.9 oops yeah you shouldn't double your mileage in one <laughs> run <laughs> but i did it anyways and it wasn't even like an ego thing of like i'm gonna go do this it was more of like i'm feeling good i think i could do it yeah oops
1: <laughs> you swords. This shit, oh yeah my
0: it. my right knee and my right hip were mad at me for like two weeks <laughs> and then at the time i was reading a book called the comfort crisis which has been like that's my 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 favorite book of all of 2022 i've it's been i I've, i don't even know where i heard it from it's probably on a podcast at the time and i kind of like saw it and i was like ooh, that sounds really interesting like there's certain ideas like books that show up in my feed from podcasts and stuff Then it's just like it grabs me and won't let go so then I immediately have to buy it. And then it's like, the, as soon as I get it in, I just devour the book in like <laughs> the month, maybe if that. So that one was really cool for me because it was, it's just basically this idea of, it's actually came out in 2020 or 2019. So it's a couple years old uh-huh. by the time I got it, but it was like, it couldn't have been released more perfectly. Right. Like all of a sudden this book go, comes out, everyone goes into like hibernation over like two years basically talking about how modern western life at least like in america is so comfortable right most of us live in 70 degree weather all the time you're not really put in discomfort all the time unless you do it willingly right go to the gym do cold cold therapy go run go hunting etc etc right and the entire premise of the book is setting up like you should like if your life is comfortable like that you should do like you should go flex a muscle to put yourself in discomfort so that you can. Deal with difficult things in your life so that you, they don't feel discomfortable, which I'm like, oh my God, this guy's speaking my language. And so it was just, it was really cool to have that. And one of the things he talked about was rucking. And so after I did my thing, I was like, Ooh, I'm gonna do rucking. Cause I can't really run right now because I'm destroyed, but I can at least put some weight on my back and walk around. around. Little did I know I learned some lessons of, Hey, wear tight shoes. Otherwise you're going to get massive blisters on your feet. From your shoes rubbing the back of your heel i had a blister for those who can't see <laughs>
1: breaking yourself
0: this is what i do to myself yeah. i just get ideas and i'm like i'm gonna try that as just someone when
1: you're all fucked up yeah
0: no experience no one to tell me i'm insane my parents don't even know what i'm doing i'm just <laughs> i just get ideas and all of a sudden i buy a few things and i'm like i think i could do 25 pounds in a backpack let's go walk walked like six miles one day and got home my feet hurt so bad (laughs) that was my summer i went my summer was ride my bike a ton run run more than i probably should have and then find rucking to be something that was enjoyable but also equally painful but after I got those blisters for the first time, I haven't had any issues <laughs> since no, I, well, have you rocked since? Yeah. And I, I got a different backpack and stuff. And I I actually, I actually upped the weight. I think it's 35 pounds in my backpack now. Maybe 40. I don't remember what it is. But yeah, I, I upped the weight an extra 10 pounds since all those blisters. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it just been this cool idea of basically in... It's kind of applying what you would think of from like a hunter-gatherer tribe. Whereas like redlining yourself, like sprinting, you know, all out is something you'd only do at very short intervals, right? You'd only do that at the point of hunting to get the kill for food or if you're running away from danger, right? Flight or flight. And then the most of your other activities, low grade, which is considered zone two training. So if you have your heart rate monitor on it's you know you have the five breakpoints from zone one zone two zone three zone four zone two is like roughly 120 to 135 ish and so some of the the new athletic protocols have been coming out where a lot of these athletes are doing tons of zone two low graded cardio where you're not really super exerting yourself but you're just kind of steady stating yourself over prolonged periods of time to train your body to be metabolically efficient at that low grade heart rate But that that converts itself to being explosive on the back end because you you have the better engine basically, the more efficient engine built up Mm -hmm. that you can then perform at the extreme. And so I've been totally bought into that theory for a little while now. And it's been fun to do because you can just kind of exist. It sounds like a lot of your
1: of your last year has been a collection of it seems pretty physically focused. I mean, you're getting back into feeding curiosity but it seems to be at the tail end of the year but the the majority of
0: yeah most of my summer and spring was all all this like workout stuff and
1: And this seems to have come out of the pandemic and that you had nothing else to do (laughs) yeah
0: because the last thing i want to do is be inside and yeah losing your mind yeah all day yeah this makes sense so so it was just like okay what's the plan for next year
1: i mean leave the the boston or boston chicago
0: marathon is So right now it's, I mean, I've already kind of started doing running training, but it's a lot of treadmill stuff. So it's just learning to embrace the suck that is a treadmill right now. But as soon as it gets warm enough outside, I'm going to start doing outdoor runs as soon as I possibly can. Yeah, doing. I'm trying to get more into like the accessory type workouts because I'll get tired in between things. So I'll I'll like, it'll just drain me. But I try to do some stuff just to keep the muscles from atrophying. As much as possible, you know, keeping the hips and the knees and that kind of stuff. Would
1: you add in any lifting?
0: Yeah, I'll like probably that? do a little bit here and there with like bent over rows or squats any, like, and stuff.
1: And you have all these kettlebells. Yeah. Are you doing lifting or workouts with these?
0: Would you call that cal? That's calisthenics? Right? It's tend to be calisthenics. I just call them like functional fitness. Yeah. Which is just basically take a weight and move it around. You know, some people call it caveman exercises. <laughs> pick up a heavy thing and move it around right so <laughs>
1: take a club right hit someone in the head drag him back to your case. Yeah, exactly <laughs> Turn to um, my wife now
0: yeah just, i like i've always been into the kettlebell stuff since since we did tough mutter back in the day like yeah ever since i got into that stuff and I, i'm and to me it's like once i've committed to something i'm not super worried about it it's more of like right now learning to hit the mileage goals and things like that and getting pacing down that's my biggest worry like okay, so i don't really have systemizing it yeah like i part of it for me is like i've never had a knack for running especially distance i mean i'm this is coming from someone who barely could run a 10 minute mile back in high school <laughs> right. so you know it's like i and that's not even i'm just saying that to just place it like i'm not a natural runner but i'm not even worried about that it's more of like i want to hit a 10 mile pace for the marathon and so right now it's just that's just like the thing I'm going for
1: 10 minute per mile. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so it's like, I've, I've set that goal and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that happens. And then in the other side of that is just doing more with feeding curiosity going forward, just keeping a schedule or trying to reach out to people again. You know, I'm probably going to be reaching out to some people who have marathon experience now that I've got that itch to to talk to them about just to talk about marathoning, you know, or distance running in general. Yeah. Just to, Cause I, I know I'm not the only one who has no idea what the fuck to do.
1: Yeah. And what that training
0: yeah looks like. I've looked up some stuff here and there. It's, it's a lot of, it's just setting mileage goals. Are you then, getting it? Are you changing up
1: a diet at all?
0: Yeah. Basically the, the, the closer I get to it, I'm probably going to try and get more lean, less sugary shit and things like that. You know, yeah. the, the typical stuff.
1: Yeah. And I imagine that there's, I don't know if you're going to be eating a shit ton of pasta the day before or what.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I don't,
1: because nutrition's got to be a big part of this. Right? It can
0: be there from what Mike has told me, cause he's run like two or three marathons now. There's a lot of refueling stations every couple of miles. And so that's something I left out of my self-attempted half marathon. Did but, you cramp? No, I did not actually.
1: You got pretty lucky there. I got very lucky. Someone has been having some potassium. Yeah. Well, so that's, bananas.
0: so for me, I also, I'm like super religious when it comes to supplements. Like I'm really regimented with my routine most of the time. Um, you know, I do athletic greens in the morning all the time, which is just the greens, multivitamins sponsor the podcast. Athletic yeah. Greens. <laughs> I've, been, I've used you for years and it's a fantastic product. <laughs> this is not a paid advertising, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the, they're like the morning thing. And then whenever I would work out, I, especially with how much cardio extended, you know, my bike rides were an hour, and 20 minutes on average. And I was doing. Almost, I almost did 30 miles. I did 27 miles. You're
1: bringing fuel with you at least. Yeah, I'd
0: have a water bottle with me, but I would put, there's another supplement called LMNT, which is basically just an electrolyte salt. So it's sodium, magnesium, and potassium.
1: All goes into the water. Just in
0: the water, and I drink it as I'm riding. I also would put in collagen protein as well, unflavored. So that would just give a little boost. Uh, What's the name of that company? Vital Proteins is the one I would use. It's a blue. Yeah, with the little cow in yeah <laughs> but i would i would use that i don't have it right now but every so often i'll go back to it because i find that it's actually really useful my body seems to not respond as well to weigh anymore i don't know why it's just something with the milk or it, or just too filling i don't really know why but like i just it was just easier for me to digest collagen for some reason i just felt better with it so i would drink that while i'm running or riding my bike and that helped a lot to avoid a lot yeah, of... I'd be
1: curious to talk about the nature of your diet yeah, once, once you know more about it, just because,
0: just as a
1: comparison to the kind of lifting world. Yeah. Lifting is very... Higher
0: protein, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, they're just also fixated. Yeah. You know, for, because if you're a bodybuilder, you have to be... In,
0: yeah. For this, it's more about calories. like keeping... So what I notice, especially if I'm like in the summertime where I'm sweating a lot and just losing a lot of water, wait, my body just craves calories. And it's like, I'll like be just want things that I normally wouldn't want. Like, I can normally stay away from pop, but after I run or ride on my bike and sweat a ton, my body just like, I need to chug something. Like yeah, please. And the sugar is an easy way out to yeah. to restore some of that muscle And sugar glycogen. can be good
1: for recovery post-workout. Yeah. And that it spikes your insulin levels. In
0: dextrose that. is the type of sugar you want.
1: As opposed to sucrose? Correct. Okay.
0: Because dextrose is a fast-digested carb, and it doesn't have all the... As much of the negative consequences that the corn syrupy, high fructose stuff, has, so, yeah, I'm I'll have to dial that in closer to it and see what it's going to be like for the summertime once once I'm, there. But I'm I'm not too too worried about it because they have a lot of fueling stations for the actual race every couple miles, so you'll have mm-hmm. water and probably bananas and stuff like that. So, and is probably end up just not. Eating, I'll probably end up getting leaner just out of, just sheer exertion of energy yeah you can set a goal way too if you drop yeah. 10
1: pounds it's gonna make the running easier
0: yeah i'm actually not that heavy right now that i think i don't know what i actually am i know i'm like 160 something maybe 162 i haven't weighed myself in a while but i tall are you five, six. six. yeah so i'm not like overweight or anything but yeah right now it's just mostly building a base of just getting used to running longer periods of time getting the joints used to the impact Things like that. Luckily, I don't have really any p- issues or pains like that. And, you know, I'm almost dirty, so it's just set an impossible goal that most In, people <laughs> march. Yeah. It's, I, I always go, M. <laughs> like, March or May. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's Jordan. Jordan's May. Jordan's May. <laughs> but, yeah. it's.
1: Oh, that's cool. Because the band. That's hilarious. <laughs> M-A-E. Yeah. May, but But he was the May guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so i can remember that now i think
0: <laughs> someone will remind you there's plenty of us to remind you i know the order right, right. i know the order <laughs> I
1: just for all the months
0: but yeah it's just in a it's been a wild year to honestly just to you know go through the the paces of figuring out life and you know you don't really think about i, just, I don't really think about like life in the normal like what's your five-year plan whatever the fuck that is
1: i know oh dude <laughs> okay so here's what's funny. you have a story about this yes. <laughs> So we were, I went to a conference in September at Michigan state. It was a media and morality conference and the project that I'm working on, we had a poster, so I did a poster presentation, which is you basically just stand around and you have a poster that presents all your findings, whatever this project happens to be, results, some statistics, some graphs, pretty right. And you talk about it and people walk through all this area with all the posters and you kind know, of brief conversations with each person and get a sense of what everybody's working on. And it's kind of a cool introductory way of learning how to present your research. So a lot of young researchers will do those. Mm-hmm. Not exclusively, but it's definitely helpful. It's a good way to cut your teeth. So I'm there in this conference and in the last day ends with a big meal. Everybody eats together, has drinks, and then the night continues. And then we end up on the rooftop bar of this hotel. And Which is a – it was a really beautiful rooftop bar and that I could see out over all of Michigan State's oh, campus. Cool. And their campus is really beautiful. Like it's tons of greenery, huge trees, like a little arboretum tucked in the middle of it and a river that cuts through. Oh, wow. Like not a big river, like not like the Huron River right. Ann Arbor <laughs> where it's – you don't walk over, you drive over. Yeah. But like this is a – it was just nice. Like it's a pedestrian very, it's a river. Very, Yes. It's a very pretty campus. And so I was just kind of chilling and largely by myself, I was just like, oh, this is, I just want to sit down and I'll claim this table. And I imagine somebody I know will walk by and I'll be like, I've got a seat, which is exactly what happened. But I got to sit down and look at the campus in the evening and kind of enjoy it and ended up in a conversation with one of the women that's on the same project as me and a couple other guys that were there from the same conference. And initially she had asked a question about like what your plan was. And I kind of gave the five-year plan spiel, you know, the real boring.
0: Yeah. This is what I did. Here's where I'm going. This is what I hope for and I'll
1: apply to PhD. Right.
0: Yeah,
1: It's the same dry bullshit, it's right. a, but it's a lift of bullet points. But then we really got into the conversation as the night went on and I started talking about how, what I'm really trying to, I can't say this out of context. <laughs> that I I really talked about what I really am interested in, right. which is the way that people think about religious systems. What people actually when they were talking about these spirits and God and all of these particular things, because it's very strange that you would come up with these things at all, right. and that all these different cultures came up with these and things. How in fact, every culture every
0: culture has a spiritual system, some religious
1: system, <laughs> yeah. and this is and they have all these weird, seemingly supernatural beliefs in the way that it's like this is very peculiar. And that there's a similarity across these cultures of things like dragons for one or lo- giant snake. And the, the right.
0: savior comes from somewhere to help put society back together.
1: Right. And there's all these commonalities and it's like,
0: what?
1: especially in it's, it you might say in the ones that are more grounded, like about Jesus or Buddha seem unique to the culture or you might, you can imagine how somebody would come up with that story because mm-hmm. they're based on a person or whatever. Yep. But the really strange one, the further back you go. The fact that there are commonalities there where they seem entirely fantasy mm-hmm. is peculiar and is worthy of an explanation. If you know Jung, then you know archetypes and there are explanations out there. But this is the thing that I'm interested in and how, what it is that these people mean by these things. And so I get into a long tangent. Naturally. Was much deeper and more traditional me going down a rabbit hole. Right. And that conversation. And then she goes, see,
0: this is what I meant by your plan.
1: I was like, what? <laughs> like, she's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, this is what I want to do. I was like, but I didn't imagine you meant this. <laughs> I, like, I thought you just meant by your plan. <laughs> I was like, nobody wanted to hear this. You're like, nobody
0: asks about this part of the plan. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's the other thing. And I'm so I'm still getting used to the fact that there might be people that I'm around now that would be interested in hearing me talk about
0: these particular things. Right.
1: Because over the last two years, I've been isolated, and the people right. that I have been in contact with are largely disinterested. And so the things— And you're that,
0: not in graduate school or a grad school, blah. bachelor's, whatever the heck.
1: Well, I, then I was talking to people con- about these things constantly because of the— Yeah. But then I graduated, and then I was largely seeing, like, two people, right. the same you know, handful of people. That, and I came to believe, probably mistakenly, that nobody wanted to hear anything that I had to say
0: on the issue. Now you're in a more concentrated pool of people who might actually get it.
1: Yeah, might.
0: <laughs> we'll see. I'm but sure. yeah. I mean, I totally get that. I mean, if you would have told me. This this thing, this podcast that we're doing is almost five years old in February of 2023. It's going to be five. It's fucking wild. It's a long time. Uh, going through and, like, updating the website and I'm in progress, I need to finish that, too. More work to do. <laughs> <laughs> It's been like, it's just crazy just seeing the evolution of not only this thing, but also like seeing our friend group evolve over the five, like five years of it. Because I mean, you guys all are prominently featured many, many times in different contexts over many different conversations. It's been a wild ride to just see that and just be like, damn, how the fuck do we do all that? It just, yeah, I know part of it's just like, you know, you commit to the crazy thing. And all of a sudden it just evolves and takes a shape of its own and you get better at doing the thing just yeah. out of sheer repetition of doing it. And if you give a shit enough, you'll just naturally want to get better at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, if you told me a five-year plan, if I would have done that.
1: No. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. a good point. So that, that's an interesting question. <laughs> what would the f- you five years ago have thought about where you are now? <laughs> What thought about the past five years we've just had?
0: I mean, for one thing, I definitely didn't think I'd be a sales engineer. That's one thing I didn't see in the limelight of my life. I I didn't see myself turning into a semi-obsessive runner slash cyclist. I could have
1: Uh, seen that, though, I think. Because, I mean, at the time, five years ago, we were lifting.
0: Yeah, I was doing tons of lifting. And you were definitely
1: into fitness in general, so I don't think it was such a... And you, yeah. you're the one that introduced me to Tough Mudder. Yeah. And that's a half of a
0: marathon. Yeah, it's 10 miles, roughly, between, like, 10 okay. and 12 miles for a so run. maybe not quite so far, but it's yeah. still a long distance. It's almost a half marathon, effectively. Right. So, yeah, I mean... I could have seen
1: it happening. I mean, you just...
0: Yeah. Part of it is, just, I mean, I've just been exposed to it, though. Like, I've, I love guys like Goggins and Cam Haynes and the different people Rogan's brought on and just other people within the the podcast world who've talk about the ultra marathon space I don't see myself becoming ultra marathoner but it's there's an obsession of with people who push the boundaries of like what people like what average people think is humanly possible I'm like yes let's go there like you know it's like for me it's like there's been times like even after I came back I think even the day after we came back from Nashville the first time like my idea of like all right let's go back like, it'd be like a random Monday or Tuesday. I'm like, well, it's nice outside. Today's the day that ends. And why I'm going to go ride 20 miles for fun yeah. after work, you know? And I'm just, and it, like, I get a little spark of joy in my head to, to think of, like, coworkers who are who I'd say, like, hey, I'm going to go ride my bike 20 miles as soon as I get off of work here. They're like, what the fuck?
1: Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I and maybe it's just patting myself on the back, but I just enjoy the idea of just, like, I'm going to go embrace the suck because it's part of it for me is just like, I'm going to go do something that's really uncomfortable for the majority of people, but it makes the rest of my day feel like a walk in the park. Yeah. Cause I work from home and you know, it's like all these like things that are not difficult at all. So it's like, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah.
1: There's something rewarding about in a world of where you can, if you want to be mediocre, you totally can and skate by. And that's, Fine in some sense. And no one would even begrudge you for doing it. Right. Doing instead something extreme.
0: I just like the idea of. Like wringing as much of my. Like out of my life as I possibly can. And that's what I'm just continually yeah. doing.
1: I find myself increasingly horrified by the. By mundane things. And that I, I look around and. I see people who are. Coasting. Mm-hmm. And it freaks me out because I'm like. I That's. I'm going to die
0: <laughs> It's <laughs> like,
1: I don't think you guys realize this, but this is all going to come to an end. Yeah. And every day that you're I wasting, it's a real problem. I so,
0: saw Lex Friedman just posted this today, I think. But it was like, every human has r- roughly 600,000 hours to live. So what are you going to do with it? Right. We all have the same amount of time here on earth. Yeah. So, so d- use it. You clocks. <laughs>
1: They should make 600,000 hour
0: clocks. That just there, count there are out. some people who are like part of the, what's called the long now foundation, which is like for long-term thinking, you can buy what's called like a death clock where it counts down. You can put like based on your age group and when you were born and you can, yeah, you can have a you clock know, that counts down.
1: Is to have a 600,000 hour clock that like you buy and it's like, oh, I'm you know, 30 years old, as many months and days, it's whatever. And then it starts counting down from there. If the technology increases such that you get to live longer than that. And then you get to watch the $600,000 hour clock hit zero. Woo. Woof. Woo. And just be like, oh geez. I've seen some
0: other people who've done, they'll have like a a week counter basically, but it's a jar of marbles. So every week take a marble out of the little, the little the little jar.
1: It'd probably make you anxious near the end, but it's a good reminder through it.
0: That's why I have the tattoo on my chest. Memento yeah. mori.
1: Yeah, M- morale, mor- mortality is not the fact that you're going to die it's the awareness that you're going to die throughout your life. Mhm. It's it's something that you live with. It's not something in the distance.
0: It's for me it's it's a reminder to be as present as possible and not to exist in some hypothetical.
1: Yeah, it's what heaven is. Like the idea of heaven. So when somebody's enlightened they especially in eastern philosophy, Buddhism, they talk about that. So you remove all the illusory things of this material world, all these, you lose, you, all these illusions are gone. And so all your thinking, all these things that would interfere with your presentness disappear. Yeah. And then you remain present in the moment. And then you're, then it's eternal. Mm. That, that, that you are eternally present and in this way. Time seems to slow down. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on the go and you're rushing. Mm-hmm. And then the day just goes by. It's just gone in an instant. But when you're perfectly present throughout the day, the day lasts for an eternity. It's just, yeah. and I think that to some degree, people feel like their life is flying by them, not because it has to, but because they're averse to, to the here
0: and now. Right. Well, they're not immersed in the moment, right? Like you have your schedule blocked out. And there's,
1: there's even, I think it's even worse than that. I think our culture, I'm not, there's something underneath this. That I'm worried so? that our culture is addicted to unconsciousness. And that's what it's actually aiming at. Hmm. I mean, we're one. I think AI is a really good example of that because AI will automate everything, and so all these tasks that required right, you your attention, right, your entire life will be turned into an unthinking thing, right. And that it partly is because the burden of existence is more than we seem to be able to handle at the moment, hmm. and so we're averse to being and we would rather just offload all thought and our higher cognition, the things that make us human onto the machine. So we don't, we can be animals again and that we're tired We're I think we're tired and want to disappear. It's really interesting.
0: It's funny because like the, I've gone in a different direction in a lot of the stuff that I was in, like the performance psychology stuff was all about being like, like finding mastery. It was like the, one of the core attributes of the program. And it was like, basically being as present as you possibly can in the things that you found most important whatever that happened to be right i'm not gonna like there's not a one size fits all here but it's like if you want to be the best dad in the world well you got to be present in being the best dad in the world then right and it was like all these like really specific tools you know training and optimism things like that it's and it's like not in a fluffy sense of being optimist but it was like believing that something good is right around the corner or like if you feel yourself drifting away the one of the tricks that we we always talk about was was just wiggle your toes, make contact with the ground, and all of a sudden you like by I'm sure it's me just saying that you now are in your toes, and so is everyone else listening, right? And so it's like th- like these little tiny tricks that if you 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 kind of bring your awareness of the things you normally would forget, right? Like or even just like touching your fingertips, like how many times yeah. do you register like what your fingers are actually feeling, right? Yeah, you can bring yourself into that present moment and give yourself a sensation to like you know. You're here right now. Right, remember. They um, say that
1: people that are having like kind of dissociative experiences and stuff, they're start, they're supposed to cycle through their senses, smell something, taste something, feel mm, something, hear something, see something. And that's
0: probably why it's imprints on your brain because you're locking in as many it's of your senses as possible. Bringing
1: back all the sensory things back online. Yeah. And if you're just, dis- I think that what dissociation is, I'm not sure about this, but what I think dissociation is, is that you're actually shutting off the connections between sensory experience and your, your, like ego, your conscious self. Yeah. And so you're just not receiving the inputs. And it's probably because you are you were at one time overwhelmed by the input of sensory information. That's something like trauma. And that that overwhelms the system. And the defense mechanism against that overwhelming thing was to just shut it off. Yeah. Was to sever the tie. And then when you get into nearly overwhelming situations, you're more likely to dissociate. Right? Because they approximate the experience that you had that initiated that problem.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of in like a different sense but it's like sensory sensory deformation tanks but in the opposite direction right like in modern society we're so used to having sensory input right like your phone's going off you're you can just open your phone and just scroll through and you're just getting sensory input yeah, all they're the all
1: time to do things right we're respond, used to having respond. to do things right as opposed to it's doing versus being these yep. are the differences this is one of the differences between the doing, hemispheres of the be.
0: brain like we have to learn how to be and it's But it's almost like you have to uncover who you want to be. It's like you're doing archaeology on yourself internally. Yeah. It'll (laughs) order what
1: it is that you want. It's part of the the construction of a value system. Yeah. And so much of our culture as well. This all plays into why we would want to be unconscious. So imagine that human beings are information processors and that there's a rate of incoming information that's divergent from a schema, right? So a a structure. Mm Of interpretation, if there's that rate of in one way to overwhelm the system, is to increase the rate of novel information, that it such that it is greater than the rate of your ability to process that information. So you have a rate of processing that's now slower than the rate of incoming information. So you slowly get overwhelmed with novelty, mm, right. right? And now you're being flooded. That's the feeling. I'm up to my head. Yeah. So somebody will say, right? I'm up to my neck in work, or mm. they'll even say I'm swamped, yep. I'm drowning. Right, so the sensation- it's a, They're
0: that. like verbs. Yeah, it's, it's all- uh,
1: <laughs> Metaphor isn't just like allegory where you have two concepts and you're using one concept that's more pal- palatable to explain the other one. Metaphor is that these two concepts belong to the same category. Yeah. And flooding is an underlying concept, a category under which being stressed and literally drowning are embedded. So you have novel, you get this, the drowning, and that's the result of too much incoming information. It's more than you can process. One of the ways that you can actually get better at information processing is by incorporating in that information into your worldview, into your system of thought, so that most things aren't actually novel anymore because you've encountered something approximating it or the same thing. And so it decreases the novelty of information and making it non-divergent, meaning you don't have to process it. It's Mm -hmm. pre-processed in some sense. But Western culture –
0: I've heard that's how – it's like why people feel like time passes faster as they age.
1: Yeah, and it's because everything's become mundane. It's been Because it's you've been, experienced
0: it before, so you don't yes, spend you don't even have time. to pay
1: attention to it. I don't notice what the, the details on any of the houses that I walk by. They're all just houses. Right. I have a top down perceptual concept house that gets imposed upon irrelevant, stagnant blocks that people live in. Right. <laughs> that that's it doesn't matter. Car shaped things is totally irrelevant. Know. But the, the you can sit there and you can force yourself to attend to these things, which is something like what A painter does Mm. but otherwise it's rendered inert this is why i think that the myth of (laughs) there's a book called the myth of disenchantment where this guy josephson storm makes this argument that the death of god has been something that's been occurring throughout all of history and that this nietzschean idea is not a new thing and so on it's just been accelerating and i think to some degree he's right but the reason that it might be right isn't because because nietzsche was wrong but because everybody has throughout the experience of their lives it becomes increasingly disenchanted that the enchantment in things is part of its awe and wonder and, and your first experience of it. But as you continue to live, you experience everything and then mm-hmm. every get, thing gets rendered into a dead stone concept. that's entirely uninteresting disenchanted. Yeah. But that's okay. So back to the idea, the other thing that can just, that can, that's going wrong with our, our world right now, it's not just that we're increasing the amount of incoming novel information, such that everybody's being flooded. The antidote to that would be to have a more sophisticated worldview that could account for all this information, except that with the death of God and what Nietzsche was talking about, we collapsed the worldview. So mm-hmm. the, the very thing that would save us, which is a more sophisticated wor- way of interpreting the world, has crumbled at the exact same time that we found a way to increase the rate of information to sky-like heights. Hmm. So we're being flooded and we have, and we destroyed our own levees. That's wild.
0: It's weird to me because I feel like I am, maybe I'm weird because of how open I am. Because I'm constantly (laughs) trying to reinterpret things or find ways to to get more depth out of things. Like I I over so another thing that I've really started enjoying, probably from the pandemic, but it's bled over, is is talking about movies in really deep philosophical ways. We've been we've been doing this since the beginning of the podcast, but. uh, I've gotten way more sophisticated with not only VFX, like from a technical standpoint, because of course I go technical, but like from a thematic, philosophical, you know, framework perspective. It makes me really appreciate storytelling at a level that like most people, you know, just, you know, you go see a blockbuster and you just sit there and enjoy, you know, explosions, you know, clap like a monkey. Yeah. Right. Whatever with mean, the symbols in your hands. And that's just not who I am. I've never been that anyways, but you know, I can enjoy movies like that. <laughs> just like anyone else. But for the most part, it's like, it's like, there has to be something deeper to explore. Otherwise what's the point? I think the back, be- the, one of the best movies for that was Northman this year. Not that it's a good story, like something to aspire to, but it, I think it captures something very yeah. human or primal about human humanity. But I think that, I think you're, you're hitting on something that I find interesting because I recently came across a, a different I mean, way out of the spectrum is called the rescue. It's a documentary. Uh, and there's a soccer team that was trapped in Thailand, in a cave system, and it was like flooding during the monsoon season. Yeah. It was all over the news when this was going down. I think it was in 2020. Yeah, this is ringing a bell. So, it was all over the news, but they recorded a documentary on it as these free divers or these cave divers had like they were the people who were uniquely equipped to be able to help figure out this insane situation. But it's like the entire country of Thailand and a whole bunch of people from all over the world basically you just volunteered to help rescue 13 boys trapped in this crazy mine or crazy cave. That's like one of the longest. It's like the fourth largest cave in Thailand. It's just an insane story. Yeah. But it's like, if you really want to see what humanity is all about, like it's, it's that right there in this hour and a half documentary of like, I think it was like 5,000 people were there volunteering, you know, providing supplies, providing first aid or, pumping out water whatever it was that needed to get done to try and save 13 people everybody rallied around it and it caught and it, you know it went around the world like it was on every major news platform And i'm just like it's like how are we not talking about what how incredible that is you know and it's like the entire story of this documentary is like these free divers like four or five of them total or cave divers sorry i keep calling them free divers they're not free divers Cave divers that have like this really unique skill set. There's probably like maybe a hundred guys yeah. in the world that do this type of thing, and they like do a really good job of explaining like who these kind of guys are. Like, yeah, I got picked on in school, and I didn't really like being around people. But as soon as I got in water and I was alone and no one could tell me what to do, and it's like I'm this is where I'm supposed to be, freedom. You know, like yeah, pure freedom in a sense. But then all of a sudden, they get a call and they're like, hey, you're the only guys that know how to do this. And they wind up rescuing all these these boys from the the cave, and it's insane and it like you you get this trajectory of like how these guys were like, "Well, I'll do my job, I'm volunteering here, and then once we have it laid out we'll you know we'll let them take over and then all of a sudden they take on the moral responsibility because they're the ones who are most prepared to execute this insane yeah. rescue
1: i mean it gets a <laughs> You're you're getting at the solution to the problem that we're in. If I'm right about what the problem right we're in yeah, is, <laughs> which is the which is that your your worldview is actually a system of morality. It's a it's yeah. a value system, and it th- that value system organizes your goals and your actions underneath it. And then the more sophisticated a value system you have, the more you can interpret the novel information, decrease the sensation of flooding, and contend with the world. Yeah, right. So, but because we blew apart our our. This value system, we have to reconstitute one, and the question is, how do we reconstitute one, or what values might we elevate in this new era of humanity? And one of them might be self-sacrifice. I mean, that certainly seems to be something that we value as people or admire. Now, I think that you can get more fundamental with that, and there's guys like Jonathan Haidt and Moral Foundations Theory, which suggests that there are five common foundations for morality across cultures. It's a it's an evolved series of systems. Hmm. that are used regardless of where you're at to to, g- to generate moral reasoning on top of and so there's at least five things we can agree on seemingly yeah i mean <laughs> it,
0: i mean it makes sense it, even just taking this cave this rescue example i was talking about with the cave because you had people from thailand but american divers showed up the guys who were part of the cave divers that weren't even part of any military group were british i think and australian Like, you just had a whole bunch of people who just, because they were called and they they had the unique skill set, they're like, well, one in a million, right? Like, one in whatever. Like, they're the guys that happen to be the ones with the unique skill set. And I think, you know, we don't, we don't end up realizing that we have a skill set that's like uniquely ours to, to bring to bear to the world. But I think we do. I think we have something that we can uniquely sacrifice ourselves to that provide something in the world that we wouldn't, that wouldn't otherwise exist. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, that would not otherwise exist. If you didn't, if you go haven't. all
0: in, right. Or whatever yeah. that is.
1: Right, well, that suggests something about
0: what you should be doing with your interests. Yeah. Cause I feel like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like your interests are the things that are like, it's like that itch, right. It's like that thing it's a guiding line. It's like the thing in the back of your head that won't let you let it go.
1: It's, it's the thread that swings it. You need to grab onto it and, and, pull on it and follow yeah. it because it'll take you to whatever your salvation that's the story that's the that is so in so many yeah human stories is that you capture your interest and i mean you know that's to part of
0: why this exists because i feel like there's always been this thing of like like people end up looking back on their lives in a reflective sense like you have to but it, we only ever see the greatest hits where like you you when you reflect backwards it's like well of course it looks like it like it, like it was meant to happen this way because of course yeah, it because did. Because
1: it did happen. Right. You're reading it once it's completed, and, and, but when
0: you're living it forward. Right. And so for me, it's like finding what that like threading that needle looked like in reality. Yeah. Is and, what I find. And I, like I would
1: can. suggest that the thing that you should be doing is, is watching when you are switched on.
0: I'm switched on right now. <laughs> and, and chasing that <laughs> infinitely. This shit like lights me up like a goddamn Christmas tree. <laughs> It is so motivating for me to just like like a fucking cat on catnip.
1: You'd be tripping. You go get fights. You're on catnip. That's just like meth.
0: It's not weed for cats. It's meth for cats. I swear to God that Kate's cats would just fight afterward.
1: You would immediately fight and then just later on. (laughs) So I don't know. It's a mix. It's like if you get really excited in the beginning and then it just knocked you out.
0: They're like, I have so much energy. We're going to fight about it. Yeah. was really wild. It's crazy. But yeah, I think you're totally right with, with like reordering what we value. You know, I think, I think especially the, like a materialist worldview has kind of come to an end or not an end, but it's dying. It's reaching. It's, it's a necessary, it's
1: reached its limitations. Right. They're in some sense where it's an inevitable byproduct of 500 years, a thousand years of thought.
0: And crazy technological advancement through multiple industri- yeah. industrial revolutions. I
1: was listening to Chosha or Yosha Bach.
0: That guy's a genius. Yeah.
1: Yesterday day. And he was talking about how effectively what the Western world did was make a bet in industri- during industrialization that we could control everything. Mm-hmm. And we can't. And now we're suffering <laughs> the consequences of that. And it, it's like... We traded long-term value, value systems that evolved over tens and tens of thousands of years that were designed to, to work, were designed to ensure the longevity of a lineage. So your group of people, were, were it was a value system that was designed to make your people last for thousands. Right. Okay. And we said, oh, we don't need that anymore because we can control everything. The, the fact of our control is what will allow us to perpetuate indefinitely. We don't need these value systems, but that was a bad bet because we yeah, can't control everything. <laughs> and so you still, you need to resurrect whatever these systems. The
0: are. control mechanisms or the long-term yeah. control mechanisms. Yeah.
1: And like, but not Eric- even
0: control mechanisms, just guiding principles, I guess is a better way to put it.
1: Yeah. And Eric Neumann talked about this in a different mm. way, which in a book called Fear of the Feminine, which is a series a collection of essays on the topic of the feminine, so mm. this is different than female. It's. This sort of spirit, it's a software of right. this thing it's a it's a symbolic constellation, so on and so on. but he talked about how for the for about the first thousand years after Christianity, we were effectively an earth or excuse me a sky cult or are obsessed with heaven, and heaven is hierarchical, it's this ordering of you know the animals and then the humans, and like there's earth and then sky and it's, there's angels and then there's God, right? Whatever it happened, yeah. Right? It's it's hierarchical representation of values, and then there was an a- attempt to delineate which the what those values were, and then pursue them aspiration to go after the highest possible value for a thousand, and organize everything in the entire Western world underneath that value system, right? So it's it is hierarchical, but it organizes it structures right. the very thinking of medieval peoples. And it was very successful in doing that. And this was a Catholic dream. But at the turn of that first thousand years, things slowly started to shift into an earth cult. And so it's becomes obsessed, not with what things should be, but what things are hmm. and that it's, it took a very, very long time, but we've reached the point where we've exhausted that particular thing is that we've, we are able to describe basically, or at least we've come up with systems that can describe ostensibly everything that there is, but It doesn't tell you anything about what you should be doing. Right. And so we're back at square one where we were 2000 years ago, wondering what the hell we should be doing. And so we have to revalue and have another thousand years of figuring out what the highest possible value, what human beings should be. Like don't ask what human beings are. Don't ask what you, I mean, these will inform you, but you shouldn't be asking. You shouldn't be fixating on the way that things are at the moment. You shouldn't be fixating on the horrors and the terrors of what people are, have done and are doing and so on.
0: Aim for you what should we could be doing. Right,
1: imagine what a life worth living looks like Yeah. and then see if you can make that happen.
0: It reminds me of a quote I've heard is the best way to make the future is to live it.
1: In the moment you, you yeah. act it out. It's, you, it's yeah. not faking <laughs> until you
0: make it. It's right. practicing. <laughs> it's practicing for when you actually get there, which means you won't actually get there because you'll die before you get there. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the beauty of, but that's not a bad thing. People, <laughs> people
1: think that an aspirational goal that you'll never achieve is a bad thing. I don't think but, so. But but that's wrong because I think his name is Tony Croneman wrote a book called After Disbelief mm. where he talks about this and he calls these things eternal. Mm. And what he means by that is that they're, they're, that these are aspirational goals. They're not goals that can be acquired. Like if I go to a grocery store and my goal is to buy a bunch of sweet potatoes, then the moment that, you know, that's motivating for a time until I buy the fucking sweet potatoes and then right. I've accomplished the <laughs> goal. I have the object in hand and now what? I guess I go do whatever I going to do with the sweet potatoes. But they, these are finite goals and they right. run out. But an aspirational goal is one that isn't – it has to be in some sense abstract And that you can't actually go to the store and buy six ounces of kindness. Right? <laughs> that the way that kindness comes into the world is by – aiming at being kind, right, and that it summoned this out of the fabric of reality, and you get to experience it in real time as a result of pursuing it, and that the fact that you can never actually hold it in your hand means that what you get to do is continuously pursue that goal as it moves and moves further away from you, but you become better and better and better at approximating it throughout the entirety of your life and modeling that for a generation who comes after you, who now isn't starting at square one, but has your example to build on. Right. Was it Browning who said that a man's reach should exceed his grasp or what's a heaven for?
0: Ooh, <laughs> I like that one.
1: It's beautiful. That's really cool. Right? And that, or what's a heaven for? It's time for to rebuild heaven. The idea hmm. that there's something that we should be doing, that we can make something beautiful. And maybe if we pursue it for long enough, then the kingdom of heaven will be on earth. That's the idea.
0: Hmm. Reminds me of the reflection quote that I've heard. I forget who, who the, but he says, a life must be lived forward, but you have to re- reflect on it backwards. Yeah, but it can
1: only be understood backwards. Yeah, that's Kierkegaard. What, Kierkegaard, yeah. yeah.
0: I've heard that a lot. Recently, I've heard it a lot. I'm like, damn. Like, He nailed it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like, it's really interesting to hear that because it's, it reminds you of a lot of, the, I, I can't help but parallelize it with, like going to the gym because it, it's just such a microcosm of the larger... Picture right, like you're never going to be fit enough, right? Like you can be in some sense, like if you hit a certain speed or you know a certain weight on a scale or something like that. Yeah. But like if you really internalize what it means to be fit, the work is never done. You know, because it's like I remember when I first started doing it, it was like I always aim, I put the aim out in the world. It wasn't that I had like a goal in mind, like per se, like a finite goal. Like maybe it was like training for Tough Mudder, that kind of thing in a short-term sense, but it was never like, oh, well, once I hit that, then I'm done. It was always just like, well, time to get this, you know, figured out now so that by the time I'm older and my life is more busy than it is today, this won't feel like it's a pain in the ass to do. You know what I mean? It's like always, and I just kind of strategically structured my life so that like the things that would feel like a pain in the ass don't feel like a pain in the ass. Yeah. (laughs) Because like when you just already are putting in the effort, it's like, well, whatever. This is like this is just part of who I am now, you know. And it's yeah. like the more you in, encapsulate things that are just a part of you, the less difficult it is to b- behave in those ways. Yeah,
1: it's cool. You form your own character. Yeah, you construct it through action, and and it's not even it's not just through action. The action is the the most concrete piece that solidifies it in habit. And if it's habitualized hard enough, strong enough for long enough, then it becomes your character Mm. and your character is your destiny. That's it. But the thing that, but it's not even the character is exactly your destiny. It's like the initial imagined you ideal, whatever that ideal happens to be is what will really direct your fate. Yeah. And, And this is where Jung is right about this because he makes a statement about how if you don't uncover, it's something like if you don't uncover your conscious, unconscious motives, then they'll direct your life and you'll call it fate. Who? So imagine that you have ideals that you don't want to recognize because they're horrendous even to you and they're directing your behavior even easier because you're unwilling to acknowledge that fact. And then it dictates everything that you do. You come up with better and better rationalizations for your behavior to deny the fact that you have some abhorrent. So you have to be willing in order to get your ideals, right. You have to be willing to be honest with yourself and to look at your worst possible motivations. That's the Jungians called shadow work. It's you look at the part of yourself that you don't, that's hidden, that you don't want to look at, or that you, you blind yourself to in order to uncover those things about you and those motivations about yourself that are not what you really want. So that you can select for yourself what it is that you should be doing,
0: and that you can pursue that thing consciously and fully. Ta da! It's simple, <laughs> except it's not. But I should think we, uh, yeah, I, should we call this one? I think that's a great way to end this one. You know, if there's any way for people to think about resolutions, I think that's one of them. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of resolutions, to be honest, because. If you have a goal in mind, start today or tomorrow or, you know, that's, that's really the question. What's heaven? (laughs) That's
1: the question for you at the end of the year. What's heaven?
0: And aim for that.